Production. Recorded live. Hello, everybody. This is Larry Phillips, and um, today we're going to be doing a Bible study in the third chapter of Hebrews. Um, yesterday, or the day before, Michael Adams and Jerry um, Mauer helped us in going through some of the the first and second chapter of Hebrews, but today um, Chris Dernerin and Larry Phillips and Mark Phillips are going to be doing the third chapter of Hebrews, and there's 19 verses in the third chapter of Hebrews. Now, again, just to do a little bit of a summary, um, we know that the book of Hebrews is really showing the contrast between Christ and the old Levitical system. And it's showing the preeminence of Christ, you know. It's showing his priesthood. It's showing also, um, in the latter part of the chapter, the faith and the heroes of Christ's faith, because that's what it really actually is, the faith of Christ. Um, and we've already, like I said, we covered the first chapter, which is showing that Christ is preferred above the angels, how he's put all things under his feet. And then in the second chapter, we saw Christ being more worthy than Moses. Well, I mean, in the third chapter is what we're going to see. In the second chapter, what we saw was the... um, obedience of Christ and um, how that he tasted death. He was a substitute for all of his people. And um, how he took our nature upon himself in flesh. He came in flesh. And because he came in the flesh, he was able to become our sin bearer. And when he became our sin bearer, the vengeance of God was upon him. And God could see all the sins of his elect taken on by Jesus Christ, and therefore that is why we are counted as being innocent before Christ, before God, because of the sacrificial lamb, because of the lamb that takes away the sins of all of his people, and that he was a ransom, he was a perfect sacrifice for us. And so that's what we've seen uh, in Hebrews and here in a little bit, I'm going to go get Jerry um, to join us on this uh, Bible study. But uh, before I go into the Bible study, I want to talk about a few other things. Um, We're going to be going down to uh, the Cherokee Village House Church. Uh, We're going to be leaving Friday, and we'll be down there probably Friday afternoon late Friday afternoon, and a number of other people are going to be joining us for this time of fellowship. 
um, Michael McGinnis, uh, who is from uh, Florida, and he has a broadcast on Sermon Audio called Grace Chapel, Excellent Messages. We're also going to be joined down there by uh, Richard McCrary and uh, um, and also Anthony and Michael Smith and his family are going to be down there. Anthony and his wife and then um, Jerry and his wife and then Larry Rosette and myself will be down there and it's going to be a wonderful time of fellowship. And uh, if anyone is interested in joining us, uh, you can contact uh, myself at 417-435-2616. 417-435-2616. It's going to be Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. So it's going to be a three-day fellowship. There's no cost to attend other than where you stay, you know, hotel room or motel room or something, uh, and the gas to get there. But you know, it's a, it's a, it's kind of like grace. You know, it's free. There's no merit. There's uh, God's grace is unmerited favor, and so that's good to know, isn't it? That God has shown His unmerited favor to us, and. Uh, also, I want to talk a little bit about um, the realities of uh, uh, what's going on right now. We know that there's a lot of discussion about history and history of the New Testament church and how that the Roman Catholic Church has been so uh, much propagating futurism, and uh, uh, there's a lot of talk right now about Islam and the Muslim religion, and of course we see the proliferation of all the modern Bibles, modern versions. There's a lot of controversy over textual uh, things, and when you compare the Bible versions with the new versions with the authorized King James Version, it's pretty apparent uh, what these new translators are trying to do. It's not about exalting Jesus Christ. And we've done already all of the history of the origins of Arminianism and, and how the Catholicism and Arminianism in England and France uh, was propagated during the 16th and 17th centuries, and then how the new revivalism came into this country with the likes of Charles Finney and D.L. Moody, and it was just nothing more than a man-centered gospel, and and John Wesley, and and uh, Billy Graham, and then we see as uh, we go on down through history the. Uh, rise of the Pentecostal and charismatic movements and really the abandoning of Orthodox Christianity is uh, is taught in the Bible that uh, everything became based upon the free will of man and not 
on a completed work of Jesus Christ. And um, so, you know, when we talk about election, when we talk about predestination, when we talk about uh, the total depravity of man, um, when we talk about the unconditional love or unconditional election of Christ and how that he showed his love particularly to his people and how that his people cannot resist his grace and how that they will finally persevere in their faith, then that gives us uh, great consolation, does it not? To realize that there's not anything we can add to or take away from what God has already done. And we also see the eternal eternality of this. We see that we are the we have been uh, chosen in him from the foundation of the world. We see that as many as were ordained to eternal life believed, the Gentiles there in Acts, we see that he is, that those that he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, and those he predestinated, he also called, and those he called, he also justified and those he justified he also glorified why should we say these things who shall lay anything to the charge of god's elect it's god that justifieth. we also see that when christ was on the cross he said it is finished and uh, we see this uh theme running all the way through the bible the finished work of jesus christ we see in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah that he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord's laid on him the iniquity of us all. And we also see that um, there is a, we, we have an inheritance uh, reserved in heaven for us who are kept by the power of God. And uh, we we also see that God has uh, seen his son, uh, and he sees that all of his elect people are vindicated in the death of his son, in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful, wonderful thing to contemplate. And we see also this theme of his everlasting love from everlasting to everlasting that he's shown to his people and he has done a marvelous work uh, in the hearts and minds and you know to cause us to have the faith of Christ who had believed our report to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed you know he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs. And um, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. 
He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generations? For he was cut out, off, off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. He was taken uh, away, and as for his generation, who among them... Oh, I'm sorry, this is uh, uh, not the actual text. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his seed an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and bare the sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Well, now we also, if we go back to uh, some of the other passages, and we can see that in Psalms, uh, there are many prophetic utterances in Psalms that speak of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and how he uh, intervened for David. And um, he says in the 120th Psalm, In my distress I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given unto thee, or what shall be done unto thee, thou false tongue? Sharp arrows of the mighty with coals of juniper. Woe is me that I sojourn in Messick, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. My soul hath long dwelt with him that hateth peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Well, uh, we see here that uh, David was a warrior, and yet he was uh, a man after God's own heart. Why could he say in, in the 25th Psalm, Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift my soul? O oh my God, I trust in thee, let me not be ashamed, let not mine enemies triumph over me. Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths, lead me in thy truth, and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation, on thee do I wait all the day long. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he will teach sinners in the way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. Unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. Well, 
The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. And uh, so we see that God does redeem Israel out of all their troubles with the final redemption in and through his son, Jesus Christ. And um, that's a wonderful thing. That is a wonderful thing. And we see also that as we go back into Hebrews, we see this whole theme of Christ being the substitute, being the propitiation for our sins, being the perfect sacrifice, being the priest after the order of Melchizedek, you know, being our advocate, being the one who uh, is making intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know, the Lord Jesus is the one who's the great shepherd of the sheep. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, Christ was slain from the foundation of of the world. And we are told in James, if any of you, uh, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. And he also tells us that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness neither shadow uh, of turning. Of his own will beget he us uh, the word of truth, that we should be kind of firstfruits of his creatures. He is the God of all grace. You know, he's the one that gives us all things according to the working of his mighty power. You know, we can't trust in any merit of ourselves. He says that the foundation of God standeth sure. He knows who are his. We are his elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father. Through the sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again, and a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Well, there's so many passages of Scripture that affirm what Christ has done for his elect. And once you get into this uh, studying the Bible, you wonder how could I have ever gone so long without the precious Word of God? You know, you know. We're told in in uh, Peter. He says that uh, he says, according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us uh, to glory and virtue. You know. Yeah. We also see in First Corinthians the tenth chapter. I'm sorry, the First Corinthians, um, 
he tells us that in in the first chapter of Corinthians, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That according as is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Now I'm going to go try to see if I can add um, Chris to this call, and we're going to have Mark read this after I get Chris on here. Um, so bear with me a minute while I try to dial up Chris and bring him into the uh, bring him into the call. We never know. Um, how that all works out. Sometimes we, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but I'm going to give it a shot. So here goes. Hopefully he will be, I was supposed to call him at the top of the hour and it's about five minutes early. See if he may, He's able to uh, pick up, and I don't hear it ringing as of yet, so I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get through to him or not. There's always some glitches in these situations where you try to bring in another party. Chris, can you hear me? See if we can. Like I say, I'm about four minutes early for him. It's before o'clock his time. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to take him off and try him back in a few minutes. Again, uh, what I think I'm going to do is uh, maybe see if I can call him one more time. Um, Don't hear it ringing. I could always call him on his landline. It makes it's a lot better if I can call him on his Skype because he has headphones and it comes through a lot clearer uh, on his headset. But for some reason, it's not working. Um, I'm going to go ahead and have Mark, I think, read through this uh, third chapter of Hebrews now. I'm going to turn the headphones over to Mark and have him read for us. Uh, 
Hello, everybody. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. No. Am I doing good? Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession in Christ Jesus. It was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built a house hath more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which be spoken after the Christ is a son over his own house whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end wherefore as the Holy Ghost saith today if you will hear his voice harden not your hearts as in the provocation the day of temptation the wilderness when your fathers tempted me proved me and saw my works forty years Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief, any parting from the living God. To exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them they had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Mark. Um, Now we're going to go ahead and start working through this. Uh, I'm going to try to call Chris again. See if I can raise him up, <laughs> raise him up from the dead. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I see he hasn't he hasn't clocked into the chat yet, so I'm going to go back and try to get him again. See if we can get him on here. Um, sometimes it's not Chris. I don't know. Um, okay, here we go again. Try to add him to the group call. And he, I guess it, oh. there you are. I heard you, Chris. Hey, how's that for timing? <laughs> That's good. That's good. I just walked into the room and I figured. Anyway, how That's are you? Good thing. Well, I I already had Mark read the chapter. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. No, I that's missed, not. I thought 4:02. Yeah, we we actually were a little bit early, but that's okay. Uh, we're ready to now. But before we start, I'm going to have you say hello to Mark here. Hold on one second, because uh, he wants to s- 
say hello before we get started. Oh, nice. Yeah. Are you there, Mark? Hello, Chris. Hello, Mark. How are, how are you doing, my brother? I'm doing good. How are you doing, brother? Well, I'm hanging in there. You know what I did? I just had one of those big old long hot dogs, and I don't eat like that. Yeah. But I figured I wanted to fill up, so I put a pickle on there and sauerkraut and uh, mustard and uh, these got to be foot-long dogs, you know, (laughs) and uh, I heat the bun on top of the handle of of the boiler. You know that you know the little medium-sized boiling plate. Anyway, yeah. But uh, <laughs> you ever feel like eating bad just because yeah. it tastes good? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, hopefully, it, it won't be a habit. You know, and yeah, it, it, it's not a good idea. But once in a while, you know what I always do? I I, I take uh, beta hydrochloride. You know, uh, a pill, and, and and it helps assimilate that. Uh, that bad food in good and then pretty soon oh you know what else i did i went and got myself a real coca-cola from mexico really funny you can't get real coca-colas in america anymore because it's all full of corn syrup and all that all that garbage yeah americans we really are stupid gringos you know Uh and they are shrewder and smarter than us but because we bought you know but anyway they have the presence of mind to if you want a Coca-Cola, I wouldn't advise going down to Mexico because you take your life in your hands down there. They'll steal you blind, you know, but uh, and throw you in jail to boot. But uh, so I, I never want to go to Mexico, but I do like their food. And and but anyway, <laughs> and then I had one of their Mexican cokes. Uh, you can buy them at Costco, a case of them, twenty-four of them, twelve-ounce thick bottles, Coca-Cola bottles. It's got the white label. Have you seen that that yeah. bottle of Coke? Yeah. That, if you're going to drink a Coca-Cola, drink that one. Up. Brother, drink that one. Don't yeah. drink the, the, the uh-huh. corn syrupy, uh, you know, because that's a neurotoxin, and that, that stuff's no good. I, you know, I'm, I'm a real great example, aren't I, of uh, what to eat and how to be healthy. No, I'm yeah. full of it. You know, I'm really full of it. And, yeah, I and now, now I'm full of hot dog, and I'm going to have uh-huh. a – I'm going to have some uh, pineapple uh, 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 that will help me soothe my stomach, and then I'll chase it with some uh, some of these uh, uh, chewable, uh, they're natural, you know, uh, these uh, papaya enzyme uh, uh, tablets, and they help digest whatever that you threw down your gullet, you know, down your down your throat. Anyway, I know you're ready to your project. Here's my dad. Sorry, brother. I didn't mean to take you off on a <laughs> on a food, bad food rant. Oh. Anyway, anyway, well, I'm back. I'm back. Mark uh, got worried because he was afraid that since we're online live, he was afraid. Well, aren't you supposed to be doing a Bible study? So he he smiled. He you got him laughing there. That's yeah. good. Oh my. I hope I steered him right. I mean, I'm a big hypocrite when it comes to, you know, once in a while, though, I will indulge in a big old bad hot dog, and uh, it's not good for me, but yeah, uh, yeah, I can't help it. And a Coca-Cola to boot, you know, uh, that isn't full of all that uh, 
I don't know if you were able to hear that. Were you able to hear that conversation? No, I did. I just oh, saw well, you're, I just you're saw him smiling and, and uh, anyway, acting about it. <laughs> and he he was thinking, you know what he was thinking? Probably he what he was probably thinking. I thought we were doing third chapter of Hebrews. <laughs> I'm sorry. I no, it's off. funny. It's funny. Well, I I just ate the last of it, and I had to go back down to the down to the refrigerator in the garage, you know, to grab this Coca Cola, you know, and. These are a real bad mix, but uh, but I do take the papaya enzyme and the and, and the and the beta the hydrochloride tablet, and uh, so so I get ready before it can kill me. Uh, I take precautions, <laughs> knowing what it could do to my inner workings of my stomach that God gave me. I, I, I'm I'm not you know I used to be so meticulous about food and stuff, you know, but anyway. Oh, and you're saying this is being recorded? I'm sorry, I didn't. That's quite all right, man. That's quite all well, right. Well, you were, uh, glean something from this. They'll uh, don't don't do what I do. Uh, hear what I say about. Uh, you know, we got to watch our diets, and uh, I'm a terrible uh, I'm a terrible instrument of excuse today because I, I whoever instrument. I wonder who ever came up with the word diet. Why didn't they call it live it? That's a better <laughs> word. It is, you know. Yeah. I don't know, brother. I, you know, they, they come up with words that are not synonymous with the intent. And uh, a diet is a diet. People construe that word diet to mean uh, losing weight. Okay. Right. Right. But the term diet... All diet is is what you consume, right? Good, right. good or bad, it can be bad. It, it is. It comprises your diet, you know. Right. And I try to, I try to keep it good, but I guess I get to the point where I just, just threw in the towel and said, "Oh, you know what? I only got so much time. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna have myself a big foot long hot dog and uh, <clears throat> and nuts to it, you know, and." Uh, <laughs> And I know what to take before and after, so it doesn't uh, so it doesn't kill me. And who knows? Maybe they'll clean me out. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a weird way to look at it. But anyway, I'm sorry I missed uh, the first couple of minutes. Not a problem. Not a problem. In fact, I actually did a little bit of uh, uh, kind of a lead-in because I wanted to share with people um, that that I'm going to send this to. The upcoming event down in uh, um, Cherokee Village, and if anybody had an interest, I gave them a contact number. They could reach me, and uh, and as you know, we got some really good information today. Um, Michael McGinnis is going to be there with us as well oh, as um, uh, he's bringing a gentleman with him that he brought. Uh, last New Year's, a uh, gentleman that's 85, I think, years old, who is just a really, really <laughs> great guy. His name is Curtis. Oh, has a lot of w- wisdom. Curtis must have a lot of wisdom. Is he a friend of Jerry's? Very, very long-time friend of Jerry's. Oh, okay. I bet I mean, those two can get into it, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and then, of course, you know about Richard McCrary and Tina. They're coming, and then there's going to yeah. be also a group. Well, Anthony and his wife. Uh, I I knew only from what you told me, and uh, anyway, it's going over the air, so I won't say anything more. Yeah. Um, by the way, 
whenever, just so you know, you may not be aware of this, but whenever you walk into the kitchen or something away, what happens, we start getting a beep. Oh, okay. And um, I don't know how far you can go away until it starts beeping, but just so you're aware of that. All right, All right we're going to start in the third chapter of Hebrews. We worked through the first two chapters. Uh, this is really the whole chapter is about Christ being more obviously wor- worthy than Moses. Of course, the whole chapter of Hebrews is a contrast sure. between Christ and the old Levitical system and showing Christ as preeminent. The fact that he, his priesthood um, is effectual for all of his people. Amen. And um, why don't we just, uh, I'll just read the first three verses and then you can read three and we'll both comment after after each three verses. The first three verses, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house, for this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who had builded the house hath more honor than the house. Well, that's just kind of a rendition of what I already said, or a duplication, you know, he talks about. I like this thing about, it says that... uh, we are partakers of the heavenly calling. <laughs> I mean, that's being partakers of the heavenly calling. Well, well isn't that, yeah. brother, isn't that, thank you for asking me. Uh, I, I, I caught you midstream. I, I, uh, I could tell you were going to ask me what I thought about that. And, 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 and what, that, what that brings to my mind is that God, Christ, when we get home, when we get home, Christ shares his glory with us. Us unworthy sinners, our vile, our vile uh, personage, uh, our soul and spirit. Why Jesus would want to share part or some of His glory with us blows my mind. I mean, uh, why does He do that for us? I mean, isn't it, isn't heaven enough? And, and then and then glory too. I mean, wow. Oh, that's so true. I mean, and it's hard, you know, we've talked about this before in Ephesians where it says that he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. I cannot even <laughs> imagine what all that means. Well, now, is that on this earth or is that is that when we get home? Or is it both? Well, that's a good question. I think it's both. I, I think it's both. I mean... You know, I, I'm reminded of that scripture that says that we've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Um, is that on earth or is that in heaven? I think there's a little bit of, you know, there's there's some while we're here on earth. But I think the full implications are going to be, you know, when we get to glory. Um, I remember this thing about uh, Christ being more worthy of glory than Moses, more honor than, than his house. I knew a fella who was a Jewish fella that came to Christ, saving knowledge of Christ, and he attributes this third chapter of Hebrews as being instrumental in God using it to open his heart to the gospel. 
and he said when he read this the first time uh, that this man, speaking of Christ, was counted more worthy or of more glory than Moses, you know, it really rocked him because, of course, he was raised in a uh, uh, Orthodox Jewish home. And uh, once he made a confession of faith, you know, he called his called his parents and he told them that you know he had he had come to confess Christ as his Messiah, and they told him to come and get all of his stuff, and they didn't want to have anything else to do with him, you know. But uh, it was pretty amazing. So why don't you read uh, verse four through six for us and comment on that for us, uh, Chris? In chapter three, yes, uh, verse four: For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily, that's truly, Moses was verily faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if ye hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of the temptation in the wilderness, and so forth. Would you like me to read on, or no? Why don't you make some comments about those three or four verses? Well, Moses was was faithful in and of in and of himself. You know, pick, picked out child of God from the very beginning to establish. You know, those things, uh, i.e., the Ten Commandments on the law on stone. And uh, every house here is, I believe this, every house is builded by some, by somebody. But he that built all things is God. So God gets the ultimate glory in everything. You know, we think, oh, what a great carpenter. He built this beautiful house. and He's going to sell it and make, you know, that's what he does for a living. And, you know, uh, Moses was faithful in, I think the house that, that he's talking about here was that Moses, you know, helped lead the children of Israel out, physical Israel, that is, out of the wilderness or, or into the beginning of their freedom once they escaped uh, bondage, just, just another name for Egypt and bondage are synonymous words. But... <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. And and who's who's in view always here? There's never a question of who's in view. It's always Christ Jesus. He's to him be the glory, you know, and you know what amazes me is that God God is righteous and God is worthy of all glory. 
And we can't even begin to glorify God to the level uh, that he is worthy of. And people have a hard time giving him any glory to begin with, yet alone uh, gauging what, what kind of uh, glory he, he is due him, you know. But uh, I just I just like that, that first chapter, that first verse. Wherefore, holy brother and partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle like we were just talking about, my and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. That this tells me that he just shares his glory with with a bunch of rotten, wicked sinners like myself. That he's accounted worthy only through the righteousness of Christ himself because we're not worthy in and of ourselves at all but Christ makes us you know through his heavenly calling absolutely he, yeah he makes us worthy even though we're not worthy in our minds you know any halfway thinking christian would would realize that wow I'm such a sinner, you know, I'm not worthy of anything, you know, except hell and damnation forever and ever. And, you know, why, why God would uh, condescend to the likes of myself and other brethren uh, continually blows my, my mind, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, when he says in the... Uh eighth and ninth verse, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. You were talking about Moses, you know, being the messenger, being the leader, leading them out of Egypt and into uh yeah, they were forty years in the wilderness and and he says, when I was grieved with that generation, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, said they do always in their heart, err in their heart, they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. You know, I was thinking about how Moses even got all up, you know, got upset. He smote the rock and that 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 was the thing that kept him from being able to go into Canaan, you know. And, exactly. Uh, and that rock is Christ. Yeah. And, and as if Jesus wasn't going to physically endure enough through getting spit on and whipped and everything and told him he's a false messiah while he's bearing the cross for, for many, you know, uh, that's, that, that's a mind blower because uh, and here Moses is, remember God's out of time. So it's the same thing. It, it it could have been Moses in that in that decadent crowd, spitting on Jesus, for that matter, you know. But it wasn't Moses in time. Moses wasn't part of that crowd, but he might as well have been because he smote that rock twice, out of frustration. I, I think his frustration was based upon his uh, the frustration, uh, you know, human frustration that had him dogged. Because the people were just being the people, yeah, that they are yeah. a stiff-necked people that we all attune to. I've often wondered. I'd be interested in your opinion and what you think about this. Uh, 
often wondered, you know, wh- why do you think, I mean, was this, was this actually because the next verse says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Well, Moses departed from the living God when he didn't follow his commandment there. He spoke the rock instead of spoke speaking to the rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we could see that this was an act of unbelief uh, and not, do you think that there was also an element of, I mean, in other words, uh, was it just frustration or was there just, uh, it was an act of disobedience. Was there unbelief associated with it, you think? Uh, no. I think I think a God set up Moses' mindset to always believe. I mean, look what they had just seen. The cloud that kept the the, the, the the chariots away by day and the fire by night, you know, the column of fire. I don't think I don't think Moses had a well, sure he had a couple of spatterings of unbelief as we all do, but not like me. I mean Moses <laughs> is a is a stalwart. Moses is a what was a great believer you know, much greater believer than us, you know, because this man saw these things. And, uh, you know, I no, I don't think there was any belief. I think it was all 100% frustration. But then again, I wasn't there. I don't know what was going through the man's mind. I just know he was frustrated at the people. He'd had enough of them. And maybe he got angry with God due to the fact that, Lord, you want me to? You you really want me to lead these people? What am I? I mean, I mean Moses had no eloquence of speech, so Aaron was his spokesman, you know, and would say the words that God, you know, imputed to Moses to say to these these uh, these stiff-necked people. But no, I don't think Moses had a had a drop of uh, unbelief ever, especially after seeing. And, and, and that blows my mind about all of those people that passed the, the Dead Sea on dry land. How can you have any kind of unbelief when you've just witnessed God, you know, Setting you free from bondage, and then all these miracles that ensued shortly thereafter. And for that one thing, God will not let Moses see the eternal, well, the beginning of 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 uh, of the takedown of the of the Gentile held uh, uh, promised land. Yeah. No, I don't think he had any unbelief at all. I think it was just frustration with mostly with the pe- with the people. I don't think it was. Now, God construes everything correctly, you know. So God knows exactly what Moses was feeling. But the rock being Christ, even though Christ is out of time, you know, he's in perfect timing but he's out of time relative to the time of Moses. 
uh, he uh, he was just subject to the frailties of, of humanity, and he had no excuse for smiting that rock uh, 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 twice. All he had to do was, was, he was what was he told? To just speak to the rock, and water will gush out. They're, they're in the desert. They're thirsty. They're frustrated, you know? And, and he's got all of this weight on his shoulders as a human being. But notice, he lived to be 120, and he probably could have lived to be much, much longer. But in that 120 years, his, his sight was never dimmed. He, he had the strength of a 25-year-old, I'm assuming, that he had the strength of a young man. And why he got mad at the rock. I'm not sure if Moses understood the implication that Christ is the rock. What do you think? Well, that's that's a really good question. I think it's something that pauses us to... One of the things I do think that um, we often do, and I, I've done it myself in reading some of the old patriarchs and so on, um, uh, <laughs> well, I was looking here at the 17th chapter of Exodus. This will kind of answer your question, too, I think. It says, uh, all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the command of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim and there was no water for the people to drink wherefore the people did chide which means strove Mm -hmm. with Moses and said give us water that we may drink and Moses said to them why chide ye with me wherefore do you tempt the Lord Mm -hmm. and the people thirsted there for water and the people murmured against Moses and said wherefore is this that thou hast brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee of the elders and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thy hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders. So this was the first account. So we see that he had been told before to smite the rock, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so he followed that. Uh, but then later on, we see that that he was told not to smite the rock, to speak to it. Now, I think sometimes we get uh, kind of in a rut. In other words, we want to, and we see this in, in, in ourselves, we see it also in the Christian community. You get into traditions, and you say, this is the way we did it last time, this is the way we're going to do it this time, regardless of what God has to say about it. In other words, and I think that... Uh, happened here and and uh i i use this as an example and it's probably a, it, it's it it makes the point but it's not apropos for religious traditions but i'm sure you've heard this before that um 
the couple gets married and the bride is making the roast in the oven and she cuts the roast off and puts it in the pan. He goes, and, and she, he goes, the groom says, why did you cut the end of the roast off? She said, because my mom cut the end of the roast off. He goes, well, why did your mom cut the end of the roast off? She said, because my grandmother cut the end of the roast off. Well, why did your grand? I don't know. He said, well, call up your grandmother and ask her why she cut the end of the roast off. She said, well, Tradition. she called up the grandmother and said, why did you cut the end of the Because my pan was too small. but the point is that a lot of times people go into these traditions um, and you know they're doing it just because everybody else is doing it like you said these people were striving against Moses they were giving him you know they were they were giving him a hard time because they didn't like this inconvenience I mean who would want to be without water I wouldn't I oh, mean, sure. Yeah. yeah. So airs first and water. Well, what, can you go three days without water? Or didn't our Lord uh, go forty days without food and drink? Oh yeah, forty days. Could you imagine that? I mean, we're so spoiled. We are so spoiled, and yet the water. That, and God, I think God is slowly turning our water into poison or allowing it through <clears throat> through the devils <clears throat> in uh, in uh, in power. To that's why the water's loaded with fluoride and junk like this. These are neurotoxins. They will eventually kill you and drop plenty of uh, of points off your IQ. I think God is dealing with us in a slow way, you know. You can't say, "Look here, you know, see the see the uh, tribulation we're going through." I have a feeling this tribulation we're going to go through is 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 one of a slow, incremental, uh, continual adjusting to the provisions that God has laid out and we're going to have to provide even in, in spite of the fact that we're at a loss for, I, I don't know, God can work any way he wants to work it, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I've never really considered how God is going to work the tribulation. If tribulation is really even a part of it, you know, uh, tribulation just means trial and, uh, and uh, we all go through those. <clears throat> but as far as smiting that rock twice, you know, I think that was completely Moses and his frustration, not at, at God, but at the people, a stiff-necked people he was trying to lead. And they didn't want it. They were, after everything they saw, you know, the parting of the Red Sea, the all the miracles, you know, and all of those mishaps that God placed on Egypt, you know, the frogs and the lice and the, and the, uh, ultimately the death of the firstborn, you know, uh, uh, they they couldn't they couldn't take it because it was coming to them. And when they got out of there, they, you know, they saw you know how righteous God is. But try leading two million people to to satisfaction and. Uh, 
and uh, you're going to get a bunch of dissenters that are going to question your every move. And that's what he was, like it says there, in the provocation. And that's when the earth opened, and these are the ones that worked wickedness in the sight of God. And uh, God, God, you know, saw what Moses was up against, and he didn't give them any quarter at all. He just he just took them out immediately, you know. And, and that lightened, I believe it lightened Moses' load, you know. But there were always, and, and there will always be uh, continual dissenting, you know, dissenters that hate what we have to say, especially, you know, in our day. You know, they, they, they hate the gospel of the good news. They hate it because it isn't their way, you know. So they formulated their own free will uh, appreciation or approach to uh, getting to God. But may, I must be off track here. Uh, no, I think as you look at the, uh, he says, uh, verse 16, for some when they had heard did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved 40 years, was it not with them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? You know, I mean, it kind of reminds me back to the, you know, when they sent the spies up and there was evil reports except from Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb, yeah. Did you did you know that Caleb means little dog? I think I'd heard that at one time, yeah. I'd forgotten, yeah. I think. That... He was a great follower of uh, First Moses, and then uh, he doesn't get a lot of mention, but I think he'd like it like that because he was a very humble servant. Yeah. Caleb was, and yeah. so was Joshua. And uh, how do you pick a, a successor to leading this mass number of people? You know, but yeah. n- notice they went through forty years when it w- if they would have been organized and they wouldn't have kept sinning in the wilderness, they could have probably made that trek in about two weeks if. You know, if you connect A to B, you know. Yeah. But no, God kept uh, kept dealing with them because they kept falling into, and, and not unlike me, you know. I always wanted to do it my way, the hard way, the wrong way, not God's way. And I pay. I pay for it, you know. Yeah, so did Frank Sinatra. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, he did it his way, didn't he? Yeah, I remember that that big hit of his. Yeah, I did it my way, and you know what does that mean? My way. I mean, we know what it means. It's just, I think one of the verses in there, I won't be one that kneels. You know, well, why not kneel to the Lord of all creation? He's certainly worthy of it. It's a pride thing, you know, and. uh Satan won't kneel, or any of his minions, they won't kneel to the God of glory. But I don't want to get off track here. It's just... just well, and it goes on, he says, um, he says, and to whom, I'm reading 18 and 19, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. 
So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now, you know, we know that God is the author and finisher of our faith. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of Arminians that take that totally out of out of context there and try to say, well, there you go. If you believe, you'll enter into rest. Speaking of, they try to make it on the same par with salvation. Right. And if you believe not, you won't enter into rest. But it's speaking here of, you know, a spiritual rest to the people of God. I think it's why he says there's a rest to the people of God. In other words, I believe there's a lot of people out there that are elect children of God that never fully enter into their rest uh, while they're sojourners here on earth. The and uh, because you know they're they're burdened with the things of this world. They become in bondage to materialism. They become in bondage to maybe family. Uh, a lot of different things, and the only time they're going to really have true rest is when they get their glorified bodies. Um, but I think that's also an exhortation to us, you know, an admonition. You know, it's so easy to get our. I'm thinking now of Mary and Martha. You know, uh, Mary, mm-hmm. Christ said that Martha. You know, she. Her priorities were on the 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 greater things. In other words, the things that had more spiritual significance. Listening well, to Jesus rather than be encumbered by the serving that, and all that exactly. stuff. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what it's kind of referring to here. That have you ever met somebody that they just seem like they're just so preoccupied with, you know, with the things of this world and. You know, there. You know, I have a. Um, I can't. It's a person that's real close to me in the family, and this person. Every time I talk to him on the phone, I'm just amazed at what's important to a person. You know, this person's 85 years old. You know, and you'd think at 85 their priorities would start changing. You know what I mean? They start thinking about eternal things, you know? Yeah, like rest. Brother. Right. Rest. The last time I talked the last time I talked to this person it was about, you know, how much money people were making and and what kind of houses they were living in, <laughs> how socially accepted they were and even at eighty five eighty five years old. Concerned with these these elements? Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. It I is. don't understand that because I'm trying to separate myself at six I'm gonna be sixty two and and I'm trying to separate myself, especially when I when I try when I go to sleep. You can't you can never try to go to sleep at night. You, Somehow you need your mind blank so you can... I have a problem, though. I'll, I'll listen to sermon audio until 3 in the morning. You know, I'll just get up and put on another one, you know, uh-huh. and listen continually. And 
it's probably not really good, you know, to do that. I should get my rest, but I, I just love the gospel and you know, every every side of it. You know, I've got my favorites. Everybody has their favorites on there, but. But to be encumbered by, you know, I guess maybe the Bible can be an encumbrance too much. I, I mean, uh, uh, you know, what is that, blasphemy for me to say that, that, that gee, I'm getting too much of the Bible. And someone would, uh, many people would say, you can never get enough of the Bible. Well, yeah, if it, if it digs into my time when I should be resting and trying to conduct a normal lifestyle, then, then it is. It is. It is an encumbrance on my, on my relative uh, uh, ability to conduct my life. If I'm up till three, listening, you know, and then thinking on these things. So I've got to cut that out. I've got to. I really do because I, I, that's a bad habit of mine, you know. But I, I, I just love the word so much that I. I'll listen to my, some of my favorites, and you know who some of them are, and uh, and uh, it's not a good idea. Probably not a good idea for me. To yeah, know. yeah, I think it's like everything. You know, there's a time and purpose for everything. You know, and yeah, it's like it uh, tells us there in Ecclesiastes: time to cast stones, and a time to a time to live, a time to die, a time to love, a time to hate. You know. Uh-huh. But uh well listen, I uh am going to end this call. We've gone through this chapter and it was a lot we we talked a lot about a lot more than we realized. Um hold on one second here, I'm going to um hold on just one second. Um it's amazing here because this talks you whenever you get ready to conclude these calls you have to push the right buttons 